You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. commercials those are good commercials i want those guys gets nostalgic for commercials what are you gonna do but you know what here's the thing about that commercial it never stopped being funny i don't care how much it got played played out when they had the white dudes doing how are you doing that was funny too i like any iteration of that so i'm i'm not gonna i'm not gonna stop going hey duke these are the things i think about when you're just kind of an encyclopedic encyclopedic how do you how do you say that Encyclo, you know, you know, the point is, I know a lot about pop culture. So, guys, this is a first. I've decided to do an emergency podcast. Yes, I will be put this will be the first time I put out two shows in one week. Now, I I fear slightly about putting out too much content because I've had shows that I like and they put out so many shows I don't listen to anymore. It's too much. I get drowned out. So, I'm not going to do that. But I felt with what's been going on recently in the news and what people are talking about. I, I, I personally enjoy talking about topical stuff. Stuff that's it's on the moment. It's very, those types of conversations have a di- different energy to them. And I think we lean into them as a, a certain kind of way. So I had Phil Labonte on the podcast right before the election and we talked all politics and we do the same thing more or less this time around. Eventually we'll do an actual X-Man, but you have to understand for me, I get a little bored talking for the same kind of arc. So I like kind of breaking out of that a little bit. So that's what this is about. And I hope you guys enjoy this because it's, um, I don't know, I think what me and Phil did as someone, as two people who disagree on a lot of different things, but can have a really, really fruitful conversation that is respectful and also understand that even if we don't convince each other one way or another, that we're still friends at the end of it. I hope this can inspire other people to have more conversations like this. Uh, so I, I hope you guys enjoy this. This is a little rundown on, on the gun debate and we kind of go back and forth. But before we get into that, I got to tell you about our sponsor. You know our sponsor. If you listen to this show, you know our sponsor, rockabilia.com. And if you just, this is the first time you're listening, now you're going to know our sponsor of this show is rockabilia.com. You say, what is rockabilia? What I'm going to tell you, they have all the band merch, the heavy metal bands that come on this show, the hardcore bands, the real shit. They have all that stuff. They have everything, right? Maybe not everything, but most of the things. Like Phil's band, all their mains. I went and looked on there. Man, they got T-shirts, hoodies, posters, cup. What do they got in here? They got some cups and bottle openers. and Oh, they even have a guitar tab book. How badass is that? So if you want to go get that guitar tab book all that, or any all that main stuff, go over to rockabilly.com. 
Use the X-Man code to get 15% off. And the code is P-C-E-X-M-A-N. That's P-C-X-Man. Well, enjoy that stuff. And check out this awesome talk. I'm telling you guys, this is good stuff. You're going to be glad I put out two shows this week. With my main man, Phil Labonte. First off, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, of course. Currently, you know, we're in a big uh, hoopla right now after this shooting that just happened. And sometimes I think it's great to talk about something in the moment while it's it's going on. This this topic is, is very hot. My show is not a political show, but I think it's kind of interesting how we have our own conversations within our community, you sure. know, and and it it does, you know, people like to say that it doesn't matter what uh, celebrities think or public figures think, but within our community, it does kind of matter what person from this band thinks and what person from this band thinks. It actually does seem to filter through the kind of entire culture of mm-hmm. what this kind of heavy heavy music thing is. But I view everything this as a community. Um, you know, I write for Metal Sucks sometimes. I know those guys. I'm friends with those guys. But I know you. I'm friends with you. I've known you forever. And I've written a lot of this about in my articles and about the idea of, of how fractured the community is and how, yeah. you know, and I, when, so when I see, even though me and you disagree on a lot of stuff, uh, I don't think, that you know, you know, listen, I don't know how big your dick is, man. I'll be honest. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the the but from a, just a, a pure argument standpoint, that's irrelevant, right? Like that, that <laughs> yeah. that's that's very childish. You can't sit here and say yeah. Trump sucks because he's calling people names, and then we and then you get into that type of stuff. So um, sure. So to me, it's about um, even if we disagree, being able to have the conversation in a respectful and. And, and an intellectually honest way where it's like, well, not, let me use personal attacks to kind of go around uh, the initial point. So I, that, I just yeah. kind of wanted to to, to kind of give that preamble. And you've gone out of your way to to let your voice be heard. Like you just started a YouTube page. Is that correct? Yeah, I got it. Well, I've, I've had one. I, I've got a YouTube page. It's same thing as everything else. Phil, that remains. Um, but uh, I started making videos and stuff. Um, there's some things that I have in mind, I want to do, you know, conversations like this. I, I'm thinking about like, I'd like to do live streams and, and stuff like that. Um, what about a podcast? Have you, have you thought about that? That's what I want to do. I want to I end up, I want to do the, I want the, want it to be like, kind of like Joe Rogan's because Joe Rogan, basically what he does is he just covers topics that he's interested in. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not like you don't go to Joe Rogan just for MMA, you know, or you don't go to Joe Rogan just cause he's a comedian. You go to Joe Rogan because he talks about MMA and then he has Brett Weinstein on and then he has, you know, like Jesse James will be on and then he'll have, uh, you know, an MMA fighter on again and then he'll talk about a fight. And then he'll go and talk about he'll have a hunter on and he'll have a seal on. Then he'll have another, uh, you know, professor for Yo, the school. I'm, I'm, on. I'll let you know. Everyone listen to Joe Rogan. We know who the fuck he has on, man. He like, he like then he has his mama on. Then he has a reindeer yeah, yeah, on, yeah, the one that they shot. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. We know totally right. who he has. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so, so sorry for getting tra- sidetracked, but that's, that's kind of what I'm, that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to do something that just, you know, covers my interests. So it'd be 
political stuff. It'd be, I'm sure there'd be some shooting things, some some gun stuff. Uh, obviously, there'd there'd be some music stuff and dance stuff. So, it's just a, a me trying to do something to to. I guess let people into my life a little more, I guess, is probably yeah. the best way to say it. Well, so you've, you've put yourself out here, offered some opinions uh, about this uh, issue. You are a gun enthusiast. Is that fair to say? Okay. <laughs> don't run. Don't hide. Don't hide. No, well, oh, you're, oh, hide oh, you're showing me. me. Oh, you're showing me the uh, this motherfucker got, <laughs> the got rifle, weaponry. Rifle on the, on the wall. You know what I'm saying? Luckily, yes, I, luckily, yes, that's fair. Luckily, I can't get erased through the internet. Um <laughs> Um, would you say because you are such a, an enthusiast that your stance is the most relevant now? And the reason why I say that is because you clearly have a dog in the fight, you know, um, and because of that, it's I think a lot of people might not take your stance um, for as, you know, in, a, in as much a serious way because they're like, well, he's biased. He, you know, you own a gun shop or your co-own? I don't know the uh, Well, I invested in my buddy's shop when yeah. he started out. So, you, you know. so, so clearly you have a vested interest in this issue turning out one way. So do you think, do you think you're the best person necessarily to be the, be the one to kind of come out and, and, and bring that stance that will be persuasive? I don't know if I'm the best person or not, but I think that I'm the only person that's really kind of doing it in our world. Yeah. In our world. Yeah. So whether or not I'm the best person, I mean, whether I don't know that that's my, my call to make, mm-hmm. I'm the guy doing it. Yeah. And I'm the only guy doing it. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, I think, um, I'm outspoken to a certain degree, but, I I feel like uh, despite whatever my politics are, I do my best to be as balanced as possible. And even though I know I might say a certain thing or tweet a certain thing, that it might turn somebody off. Because the truth is, the world we're in, the heavy metal world, um, it's a most mostly white working class male dominated us uh, uh, demographic, and you know that's going to be a good cross section, right? We're going to get everybody. We're going to get conservatives. We're going to get liberals. We're going to get people in the middle America down South. Um, so we all have to kind of make that decision about what we're going to say and how that's going to affect our business. And not only that, how we relate to the fans, you know, this is, you know, I'm sure just like me, when you go on the road, it's very you're very close to people. You're talking to people. You're taking pictures. You're tell they're telling you stories about their family. So it's very connective, and I'm very much kind of against the idea of of turning people off, you know, in a way. So I try and talk about things in a way where at least even if we disagree, you you know we're still cool and we can still mm-hmm. vibe on music and other things, even if we disagree on certain things, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel like that's what I that's really the tone that I set for there. That was the tone that I took when I actually shot the video. The point of the video was to try to explain to people why there wasn't such a, a you know a just instantly a law passed and how difficult and complex passing a law that suited what most people seem to be saying. Because a lot of people aren't really clear when they say we want a solution for this. They, you, you say, 
you hear people say, I want a solution for these mass shootings. So then you're left with what, solu- what, what solution are you looking for? Because if you can figure out a way to stop the person from going and doing it, uh, most, I, I think most people would be happy, right? But I think that there's a certain segment of the population that when they say solution, they're only thinking new legislation about guns. And I think that the the evidence is, and again, this isn't speak. That's not saying everybody. I'm not trying to speak for everybody that says I want, you know, I want these things to stop. Not everybody's saying I want more gun control. You have to really hear what the person is actually saying. And so you need to get more information from me. You need to talk to them. It's hard to talk to people about different legislation and different things that that make guns different and how similar gun you know this gun is to that gun and etc and all the different nuance in it it's hard to talk to them about it if they don't if they feel like trying to talk to them about it is trying to dissuade them or change their opinion or whatever so i wasn't trying to change anyone's preconceived notions or opinions about guns or gun control i was trying to let people understand the realities of how difficult it will be to pass any type, well, the type of legislation that it seems like the most fervent gun control people want. Now, is that clear? I think out, that, that is that clear enough, you know? Yeah, that's fine. Um, outside of gun control, what do you have any other suggestions for other things we could do? Uh, I do think that considering this this guy's uh, this particular guy and also like when you take into consideration people like the adam lanza dude who did the that was sandy hook i think and then the dude that had the orange hair and aurora and stuff these were really disturbed people and there is no recourse to to uh commit them like the the state doesn't have doesn't have very much authority to involuntarily hold people for mental illness or whatever, uh, or they, it's, it's not very strong. They don't have a lot of authority to do that. So I think that that kind of stuff might help specifically in this context because they had gone and seen the kid a ton of times, like so you're, 20 times. So are you suggesting that there should be more laws put on the books to be able to detain people for that have mental issues? I don't like... T- I don't like to say new laws. I'd like to look at what kind of power the state has now and what see it, if... Wasn't one of the biggest problems with uh, mental health is that is a severe lack of funding, you know, where... Um, I don't know. Where we've essentially... I, I well, I think what's what's happened is we've essentially turned our prisons into de facto mental institutions. And we well, take that's a terrible... That, are, that if we then that, that's something that I totally would get behind fixing. Well, the, well, the thing is, you know, um, and I, I don't want to kind of get into my end of things too much. It's, it's just that I think when it comes to issues like like this, and, and I talked a little bit about on my last podcast, is that people get so burrowed into their corner and their stance of saying, this is what I believe. So now I'm going to give the argument and then I'm only going to pick the stuff that supports my argument instead of say, hey, let's put all our pre- preconceptions to the side and say, how do we solve the problem? Because first off, you have to want to solve the problem, because I, I feel like a, most of the the gun advocates, their essential thing is to say, no, no, it's a mental health issue, but then never do anything or offer any solutions on mental health or to say, well, there's nothing we can really do. And, and the thing is that's just not going to work. I think eventually the political and emotional will of uh, 
the people, especially now what's going on with the, the victims and uh, the survivors going at, like eventually you're going to lose that uh, battle in the, the, the field of public opinion, I feel like. So eventually you have to come to the table uh, with something. Are there any? Well, hold on, hold on. The, the, the idea that, that people that are, are pro-gun, and this is only one point that I'm thinking, there's a couple things that you had said that I didn't take notes down, but there's a couple things that you had said that I would, that I would have a comment for. But specifically, um, if you're talking about pro-gun people not being willing to come to the table, I don't know that they're not willing to come to the table. Um, th- when you're dealing with something that is a fundament that is and uh, this has to be taken as granted okay this what i'm saying is you have to un- you have to take this argument here as granted because it is in the constitution so you have to say that the right to bear arms is equal to the the right to free speech at least according to the constitution it's as protected in fact it has its own specific you know so whether or not a person that's here that's listening to us puts the same value on it personally which i i i would assume that most people would put the value of of the freedom of speech over the value of the you know owning a a, a firearm but for legislative purposes and according to the law they are they are equally uh, they, they they hold equal weight. So, but there are limitations on free speech. You can't go to a a, oh, I mean, a crowded room and ha- yell fire. You can't uh, threaten sure, to, threaten sure, to kill the president. So there are sure, limitations. Sure. sure, but there there are limitations there are limitations on what you can do with 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 speech. Sure, and there are limitations on as to what you can do with a gun. Okay, I mean, so so you, but, you, but there's but is, signif- there's but, there's significant limits on. There are limits. The go- the government has the authority to go ahead and and you know. Um, there are certain limits that the government has put on liberty, but that doesn't change the fact that they're both fundamental rights. Okay, All right. I I get that, and and the, I think one of the biggest kind of uh, straw men in this um, in this debate is that um, the kind of the extremes on each side, and and speaking to the extreme on the left, is that uh, gun uh, gun enthusiasts use. The most fervent voices, wh- whose uh, their idealistic take is not really reasonable, and say and use that as the platform for all people who would like uh, some improvement. So by that I mean, are you, are you saying that the, the argument that I just made is, is not, a, not the one the you're making? Spe- take? Not the one you're specifically making right now, okay. but just the, overall the idea that people who want more progress in this area want the second amendment to be revoked or that we, or that those people want all the guns to be taken away. I think the people that advocate for that are a small but loud minority. Um, and even if that gains some traction, remember the people <laughs> that have guns have guns. It's not, <laughs> it's not like... It would be the, you know, we, you know, it's not like it's the most feasible, even if you had the political will to do it, that it's that feasible. So, yeah. So to me to use that as, well, everyone's coming after the second amendment. I think it is a straw man in the, in the sense of that when you have someone who's coming with a more moderated position, you put, you place that onus on them, that that's what they believe. And it's just, I I think it's, it's frankly, when you have someone like Obama go out there and saying, listen, I'm not trying to take your guns and then gun sales. The most guns ever get sold 
because they think that. So it's like, listen, no matter what we tell you, you're always going to think we're trying to take the guns away. So, or that we're trying to revoke the second amendment. So then you're not having an honest discussion. That, that is, that is, that is a problem. Um, I think that a big part of the reason why people feel like that is because there's a couple videos out there, uh, of people like fine Diane Feinstein and stuff saying, well, if I could have got the, there's one, one in particular that I see make the rounds all the time of Diane Feinstein saying, if I could have got enough votes, I'd have said, Mr. And Mrs. America, turn them in. And I forget the interview that she was doing it in. And I know that she, she did mean it. But what's, so, hold on, what's wrong with that though? What's here's, there's a difference between, there's a difference between I'm coming for <laughs> your gun. Hold on, hold on. No, there's a difference between I'm coming for your gun and letting people willingly. No, no, no. Her, her, the, the context of the sentence was if I could have got the votes, which means if I could have passed the law, that means that it takes the, the, that means that they have to enforce the law. That means they're going to say you have to turn it in. And then if you don't turn it in and they find out it's there, then they throw you in jail. If she's talking in the context, at least that she was taught specifically talking about, she was talking about passing a law, which means that it has to be enforced. That means that it is the government coming to make you turn in your okay, guns but or I, the government. You know. I, 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 so it's not it's not that you can't just say that it was like, oh, she wasn't saying that in the she was saying that she did mean that. And the idea that you can just be like, well, they passed the law, but you don't have to go do it. I mean, granted, that's what probably would happen. That's what happened in has happened in New York with their assault re- weapons ban, uh, their their AR ban. Like, I think they they had like fifteen or twenty percent of the what they estimated turned in. Um, they did arrest one guy for having a right uh, uh, an AR. So I just don't think that it that it's it's. I just don't think that it's productive to try to play down what she said in specifically just because it only makes people that are from a uh, a program perspective say well look she did say it that's what she meant so trying to spin what she said makes me think that you're just trying to deceive me i get you i get you, you know but, what i mean I, I i get that but what i'm saying is that what you're talking about is idealism all right in an ideal world in an ideal she country no, no, we would all be better if there were just no guns and maybe just the police had guns, right? We would all be safer. That's a fact. But the truth is, genie's out of the bottle. You can't change it. So you're, so to me, you know, I get that, that that's what happened. And I'm sure if you went to a bunch of liberal politicians, they say, yeah, in the in the perfect world, that's what we could do, right? But that we're, we're not living in that world. So what I, the way I look at it, it's that um, conservative media has been telling their constituency for 30 years that liberals are coming for your guns over and over and over and over and over. It never ends. And pumping people up with fear and paranoia so that now now that that constituency is ready to go. They are like, all right, I got, you know, I got my fatigues. The militia is ready to roll. They're come. Obama's coming down. You know, so I, 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 I feel like I feel like you are right. To, and you can find an example. I'm sure you can find a dozen other examples. But I just feel like the problem is, like I said, that's what you're burrowed, burrowed in that corner. You're like, all right, they're coming for me. So you so and the, and I feel like a lot of the argument and a lot of a lot of conservative arguments are based on the slippery slope idea. Right. If you do one thing, then it's going to be everything. All right. And the problem with that is when you assume everything's a slippery slope, 
there's no room for nuance. There's no room for compromise. So how do you ever get to a middle ground if, oh, if I give them one thing, then they're going to come for everything? Because that means you're, you're never trusting the person you're trying to get. You're, you're always assuming they're, they're, they're not acting honestly. I think, I think this leads into, or this, this starts to, to be relevant to what I said in the video when I was saying, um, you, wait a minute, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Um, you were saying, talking about whether people are going to actually come. Okay. So the slippery slope argument, I think that when it comes to passing new legislation, the argument of, well, you, you know, you got to come to the table with something. I feel like pro-gun people kind of will say, okay, well, what? And that's kind of where we get hung up. Well, I mean, Obama released because, uh, a list of executive orders he, he wanted to pass. Um, I could look them up. Um, I, 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 yeah, because I would be interested to find out like what it, what it is that, that people are looking for. Because if you're talking about an AR ban or whatever, uh, you're talking about something that gets really complicated and it tends to butt up against the Second Amendment pretty quickly. Well, all right. So because, actually, no, I'm, and, I'm not even. And the, I'm reason, not, and, the, and the reason and you've heard this before, the reason that happens is because your most of your web, uh, most of your rifles that that people qualify as assault weapons, the the important parts of the gun. And this is why I was talking about people that know a little bit about guns have to be part of the conversation, at least um, the part of the gun that is the actual machine that actually operates the gun is similar across assault rifles and hunting rifles. It The mechanism that makes a gun a self-loading gun, a semi-automatic is a self-loading gun. Yeah. Um, one trigger pull, one bullet. The mechanism that does that is so similar across all of your semi-automatic platforms that w- when you start talking about, well, we want to get rid of ARs, right? We don't want people to have an AR-15. Well, an AR-15 and a Ruger Mini 14 look completely different. The Mini 14 people would look at, and the first thing they're going to think is, "That's like my dad's hunting rifle, mm-hmm. right? It can accept, it can accept this, it can accept magazines, and it has, uh, you know, it looks like a a hunting rifle. But an AR 15 looks like a military rifle. But the only difference—it's mostly cosmetic. You're saying it's is- cosmetic and it's housing. So when people say, "Well, we want to do," an assault weapons ban. Well, then the gun industry people are, you know, pro-gun people say, well, what's that? Well, is, is because it? Because well, we don't really even know because it's a Ruger Mini 14. You can, you could do the exact same kind of damage with it. And they're, I mean, they're chambered in the same round. They're both 5.56 rounds. They both can accept magazines, but one doesn't have a pistol grip. And so you can outlaw pistol grips. That doesn't, the pistol grip doesn't make a gun any more dangerous because yeah. you have, they make AR-50, dude, I just seen they make, they make a new AR-15 that's a pistol, an AR-15 pistol, and it looks like a pirate gun. It's got the same kind of pirate handle mm-hmm. that, like, your old blunderbusts make. Some dudes making ARs that have a, a blunderbuss handle, and it's a pistol. And it is a pistol. You hold it. You got to hold it with two hands. I imagine it kind of sucks to shoot because that's a lot of – it's a pretty big round for a pistol. But the the 
The fact is, when you say, I want to get rid of ARs, some dude could pull out that AR blunderbuss-looking pistol. People wouldn't know that it's an AR-15, but it's an AR-15. Yeah, can I, can I cut in real quick? Listen, sure. I'm, I just want to say that that's not my stance. And the, the thing is, I think one thing I totally agree with you on is I don't think liberals who are not familiar with guns should necessarily be the ones uh, giving these arguments because they're not familiar. I'm not familiar. Um, I want to I want to jump in. I want to jump in real quick. One more thing, yep. because and this is this is a problem not about guns. This is something that goes across the board with passing legislation. Everybody was so PO'd about the the uh, um, the bailout bill that that uh, that bankers were involved in writing the the bailout. Bankers are the only guys that know how to actually write laws about that stuff because they're the only ones that know how that stuff works. Your average guy in Congress doesn't know crap about banking. People talk about, oh, you don't want, uh, you know, insurance companies and doctors involved in writing healthcare laws and stuff. Well, it's like, well, hold on. They're the only guys that know about it. That's yeah. a, that becomes a problem with writing legislation is if you don't know about it, then writing legislation, you end up writing ineffective legislation that doesn't solve the problem. So the legislation is pointless. Yeah, you need um, you need you need the the most interest in, in a way. It's it's there's a conflict, but you kind of need yes. those people there. From the outside, it looks like a conflict. That's yeah. and that that well, there, I think that that there may that be is, there may be. Yeah, it's it's exactly. a tough it's a tough scenario. You need to be able to vet people enough to understand that they're just sure. not crafting legislation that's only suiting their interests. Yeah. You know, I think that I think that's those tough. kind of. Yeah, those but those problems aren't exclusive to the gun world. They're 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 I think they probably go across all industries where you need people that are involved in the industry that because industries are so specialized nowadays. Well, not just nowadays, but industries are just so specialized. Okay, outside of outside of banning particular guns, because like I said, I'm not you know more than me in that. So I I definitely um, don't offer a lot information wise. But are there any regulations you would support like stricter um, uh, background checks? I don't have a problem with the concept of a stricter background check, like, but I don't know what a strict stricter bound background check means. Well, I know there was wasn't there one regulation just rolled back that made it easier for a mentally ill people to get uh, guns. There was one uh, it, that that, that, it, it, that made it so that people on the no fly lists were able to get guns now. OK. I have a pro- the first of all, the no fly list is unconstitutional. Yeah. yeah OK. That's, that's and a, I I. I I understand that people want like it and it's popular and and the idea of a terrorist getting on the on a plane with you is awful. I fly more than most people. I I live that every time I fly. I know I, you know it's like the idea of something bad happening on a plane is a is a frightening thing so you, most people go ahead and say I'm okay with the no fly list. The no fly list is an unconstitutional secret list that the federal government keeps of people. I am never in favor of that as a libertarian that that is has nothing to do with guns or anything i'm not in favor of the no fly list if you have enough information on someone where you think they might be a danger put them in court find you know get get a warrant find out make sure but just leaving people on the no fly list and just having a no fly list i'm not down with that at all personally so and that would extend to uh you know taking away someone's second amendment rights because they're on the no fly list I don't like that either because I don't like the no fly list. So okay, well, for me, it's not it's I'll, not it's not a two way question. It's a it's a it's a it's a Fourth Amendment question for okay, me. Okay, because I so, know I think felons can't get a gun, right? Felons cannot. No felon, but felon. When you're a felon, you've lost your you've lost a lot of rights. You lose the right to vote. You lose the right to a lot of things. Yeah, so which I, I don't, don't think people that are what. Well, I'm just I'm just what what 
I guess on on my end, I think it should be equally as hard to get a gun as it is to get a driver's license. And I think I don't think it should be. I think people should be able to get guns, but I think it should be difficult. And um, and if you need a gun that fast, then you're probably the last person that should have a gun. The, the, okay, well, in in most not in most in a lot of states, well, not a lot, but in some states, specifically the state that you live in, it is that hard. It is harder to get a gun than it is to get a driver's license. Good. There are states where Good. it's very very I'm easy. That's true. Um, but but here's but, where but here's the problem. You know, you can drive across states. It's not hard. Arizona's yeah. right there. Uh, Nevada's right there. Yeah. It's not hard. Mexico, right there. All right. It's, it's not. It's, it's not that hard. Yes, but you're. But that's true. You're right. But right now, you're talking about breaking the law, because all that stuff is illegal. That's fine. I mean, uh, people break the law. But, so then, but, but what, I, what so I'm then, saying, what I'm saying is, it for this stuff to actually work, it has to be national. Um, for some of the for big big stuff, in my opinion. Um, so uh, another thing. Um, what was it? What was the thing I was asking you about? So, yeah. So I, I think, do, should someone have to pass a test to own a gun? Or take a, take a uh, course, I don't, a training course? I don't have a problem with, conceptually, I don't have a problem with this stuff. Like, I don't have a problem with, I mean, I've, I've gone to a bunch of training. You know, I've gone to multiple rifle classes, pistol but, classes. But I, got, elective, I got my Electively, I'm talking sure. about. And when I got... And when I got my, when I got my Massachusetts license, I had to go to an eight hour class at, in Massachusetts to get to get my license and to carry in Massachusetts or to have a uh, semi automatic in Massachusetts. So why is I don't it, have why a is it, it feels like it's hard for you to just say yeah, like because I'm, like, liber- I'm a libertarian and I hate uh, like so we shouldn't have liberta- to, so we shouldn't have to take a test to drive a car. Just give a car. Fourteen years old, go out there, crash up the. You don't have you only have to have, you only have to take a test to drive a car if uh, if. If you're driving it on public streets, on public streets, who got private? Who the fuck has private streets, motherfucker? Who you hanging with? Got <laughs> oh, me, this is my private me. street. Good, but no, come I'm, on, I mean, come look, on, look, man. Look, come on, the, man. The, the, the argument, the argument here again, but it stops being about a Second Amendment argument with me for 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 so much of this stuff because but, it turns into a libertarian okay, argument where but, I just but, don't but, want to see the federal government having about, powers. But here's the thing about listen, I I think there's a strong connection between libertarianism <laughs> and you know what you would call modern progress i think there's a big crossover right a lot of people kind of sure, vibe yeah. on the, same, those, on the those. social on the social side libertarians and progressives are really really close yeah so i i so i i connect with you on a lot of that stuff but my problem is when i feel like there's a religiosity to it it's it's um it is there's a fundamental fu- fundamentalist element to it that I have to filter everything through the libertarian prison, and it's like, you know, it's like, not intentional. Well, I, I, I know, but but there has to be, like I said, a place from your idealism, right, that connects to what we're actually dealing with through the reality on the ground, and yeah. so what I'm what I'm what I'm saying is, like, I think tons of things should be legal, right? There's a trade off, right? Yeah. Alcohol is legal, but we know. Many people die from alcohol, but what do we do? We like I think alcohol maybe yeah, maybe it should be even be more regulated. But we know people are going to die from a liver disease. We know people are going to get drunk and beat their kids. We know people are going to get drunk and get behind a car. But you know what we do? We make it really punitive for someone to do that and discourage mm-hmm. that. And that's why we have all these programs. We have hey, you know, get a designated driver, use Uber, right? We really enforce this stuff. So, 
But the only way you get there, there has to be a will. And I, I said this on my podcast, and this is why I think the, the Metal Sucks dudes are wrong, is that we're never going to make real headway on this issue unless we get guys like you to want to help, right? I don't get that by, by fucking shitting on you and calling you a baby killer, right? That doesn't, that doesn't work. And I think it works for, you know, so we have to get everyone on board. And the only way you do that is by not, is understanding that most people are not coming to this with bad intentions. Some people are, but not everyone is, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And perspective, the perspective, bad intentions are different depending on who's viewing the intentions. Yeah. So like for, for when I say, you know, I'm like, I say I'm a libertarian. So we live in unquestionably, we live with the largest government in human history ever. We have literally, we have bases all over the world. We have a government that has, you know, many millions of people that work for it. So from my perspective, it's this gigantic behemoth. So for me to say yes to giving them any more authority, that's my first, my first response is always, do I want to give the government more power? And that's well, my, that's my struggle right out of the bat with any kind of legislation, I, whether can, it be. Can I counter that though? The sure, thing is, sure. it's all you've known. You've <clears throat> never not lived in a big government environment. Sure. Yeah. The only, only thing that changes is, Oh, we have a slightly different take. The budget is this. We're going to cut this. Like this Mm -hmm. to me, you know, you'll talk about idealism, this idea that we're somehow going to get out of the big government paradigm is just a pipe dream. Hold on. But hold on. Take for for one second. Take what look at what you just said. Like me saying I don't. Me saying that I have reservations about giving the government any more power mm-hmm. is not the same thing as us as a society being anywhere close to even limiting the government's expanding of power. Yeah. Right. So to to say that I feel like it's a little a little either you, you misunderstand where I'm coming from or it's a little disingenuous if you if you jump from where we are now with the size of the government to all the way to, to cutting it all the way down to the type of of government that I would be happy with, which I mean, I'm 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 thinking of cutting out cabinet level positions, getting rid of whole entire bureaucracies. Yeah. So to say, hold on, I don't want a new law. If that's me being unreasonable, when really what I'd like is to get rid of entire bureaucracies in the government, I don't feel like that's that's really fair to say that I'm. Uh, just because we're coming from two different places doesn't mean that I'm not coming to the table with a uh, with a good faith argument just because I say, no, I don't want the government to have any more power. Because from my perspective, again, we are the biggest government in human history. Yeah. So to say, hold on, I like limited small government and I just want to go ahead and say, I don't think we I think we should think twice before we go ahead and just pass new laws. It's not the same thing as being like, oh, well. All you want to do is strip it all the way down to nothing. Well, I mean, that's a lot of work and a long time. And and, it, and it's not equating to saying, hold on, maybe we should think about, maybe we should think before we pass another law. It's a little unfair characterization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. listen, I I agree with everything you just said there. Um, 
as far as the way you're characterizing it. And I understand the hesitation about not, not wanting to give away freedoms. Um, what I, The only part I was talking about, what I was referencing is just the idea of saying of I think it's kind of that phraseology of I like small government and my you know it's it's a very like nice it's concept. easy to hear and no, it sounds nice it's a, yeah. it's a nice con- but it's it but it, it's like I think we all understand that whether it's government or whether it's business or whether it's any organization, the bigger it gets, the harder it is to get things done more often than not. Right. That's the kind of nature of bureaucracy. And mm-hmm. anytime a new, uh, you know, I understand all the downsides of, of a big government. My, my uh, criticism is that none of us have ever experienced small government. So we really, what we're talking about is a theory um, it's, you know, and, and the truth is, listen, we're, we are less governed than other Western countries. Um, but they do not live without freedom. You know, I think, I think in, in some senses we over inflate things like gun rights and kind of insinuate like, like that's the totality of freedom. That's what it means to be free is that I have this, this thing and it, and it, you know, and, and that it actually outweighs other things, you know, but the, you know, the truth is for certain people, that's going to be a symbol. I think ultimately that's what it is. It's a symbol, you know, of, of a certain kind of freedom, but you know, I'm sure we'd also like to, you know, me having my libertarian leanings is, yeah, I think drugs should be legal or decriminalized. You know, they shouldn't be encouraged. They should be discouraged. Um, especially ones that are the most harmful, but it doesn't help us. You know, I think prostitution should be legalized, you know, um, or de- decriminalized, you know, so I could go in a lot of, a lot of ways with you there. So I, I totally understand what you're saying. I'm just saying the idea to me talking about small government, it's like, you might as well be talking about Narnia. I'm like, what are you talking about? Where, where is it at? Where's that? When we were kids, it wasn't small. When our, when our parents were kids, it wasn't small. So what are you talking about in the 1920s? Yeah. How'd that work out? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you're, you're, you, I think you're totally hitting the nail on the head there with something. Um, because when it, for me personally, my ideology or the, the ideology that I find most, find most, uh, attractive is an, is an anarcho-capitalism, right? So no government. Yeah. I have a friend of, a friend so, of mine, I have so a friend of mine that, who's, who's schooled me on some of that stuff. It's, it seems very extreme. Like I said, my whole thing is, is just extreme. point out, point out the country in the world. That's like that. That's kicking It is ass. very extreme, but, but what's again, the country? But I, but that, point out the country. Who's killing not, it? That, that, that's my point. That's my point. That's my point. It's Narnia, saying, right? Narnia, they, they that, crush it. That's exactly my, yes, you're right. I'm, that's, I'm, I'm exactly, I agree. That's what I'm getting at is you're right. But, but most, most people that have political leanings have, have an ideal of what they yeah. would like the world to be in, in their version of Narnia. And so like a communist version of an uh, anarcho-communist version of, of Narnia is again a world without governments where it's everybody works and takes care of everyone else. That's anarcho-communism in a nutshell, yeah. right? Anarcho-capitalism in a nutshell is basically the same thing, but with property rights, right? So it's it's an ideal, but it's not realistic. It, yeah. You know, real anarcho-capitalism is no more realistic than real socialism or real anarcho-communism. It just it just doesn't work in reality. But I think that there's value in taking your ideas and 
and elaborating them to other people and trying to convince them that, you know, your ideas will produce a better result for humanity or for for a given problem than someone else's or another idea that you don't. You know, there's value in trying to, to relay these ideas in a, in a productive manner. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally hear that. And I think that's, <clears throat> that's an excellent point. Um, so I actually want to talk a, a little bit about the kind of the the I guess the psychology behind uh, gun, gun ownership. Um, what do you think? is it about you that made you drawn to guns? Hmm. Um, I've, I've had a gun since I was, you know, 18 is when I got my first gun. I got a rifle as a gift when I, when so I graduated. You were, Marine. were you, you were in the military? Yeah. When I graduated Marine Corps boot camp, a friend of the family gave me my first gun. Um, and so I really, I didn't do a lot of shooting before I went in the Marine Corps. Um, I did some, the same family friend, his name's Steve, a uh, friend of my dad's, grew up with my dad. We used to go shooting and, uh, you know, we still, every once in a while, we'll still go and hang out and, and go shooting and stuff. Um, so I think that my interest in guns comes from, you know, comes from the military and shooting and stuff. When I got out of the Marine Corps, though, I mean, I really focused completely on music for so long, for a long, long time. And I think it, like, I didn't buy my first I didn't actually purchase a gun until I was dead well in well in my thirties, yeah. probably thirty five or something like that when I bought my first rifle AR, something like that. So, um, and then it just became a hobby that I like. Most of my opinions, again, on guns are related to my libertarian opinion. Yeah, and my so so for me, it's like. And I see this all the time. I have a lot of friends that are like real conservative conservatives, like Republican type conservatives. And we'll be talking about something and they'll say, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. And they sound, you know, we're right on the same page when you're talking about like patriots and talking about, you know, guns and talking about the the Bill of Rights and blah, 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 until something that they don't like until until you know, spying on someone who might be a Muslim comes up and they're like, yeah, man, they're, they might be a terrorist. And I'm like, dude, you gotta be kidding me. We were just like broing down on the bill of rights. And now you're just like, Oh, screw the fourth amendment, you know, or, or, you know, uh, I got a lot of, uh, police officer friends and some of them are, are, you know, straight shooting. And some people that I've, I've met, you know, you're like, man, I really wish this guy wasn't a police officer because they get off on the power of it or whatever. So for me, it's all it all comes from the the fact that you know it's, it all comes from my libertarian perspective, not so much that I'm just like I love guns and yeah. Da, da, da. Well, it's just I'm I'm fascinated not only in what people believe, but more so why people believe what they believe. You know, because yeah. I'm I'm it's so much is printed on people based on their upbringing, their environment, and so a lot of people get to a advanced stage you know in their 20s and 30s and they have a set of core beliefs that i wonder if you took that same person just had them grow up in a different area with a different family maybe they would believe something completely different it makes me think about how much of what we think we believe is more just kind of something we absorbed through uh osmosis and from our environment and because of that i think about why is it that someone like me who like i grew up in the city you know, that was dangerous enough. And, you know, there were, you know, I grew up pretty much in, you know, in the hood, you know, and whatever. There were kids over here doing stuff. And, you know, you have to worry about someone taking your bike. Um, 
or whatever. But I've, you know, and, and when I was a kid, I was all my f- favorite stuff was like military gun. Re- so it was like GI Joe, my favorite Tackleberry yeah. ba- from, uh, <laughs> from police Academy <laughs> was my favorite. Tackleberry, Dude, I loved him. You know, I, action, you know, Schwarzenegger action movies. That, that was my favorite thing, you know? And, but then I, I grew up and I, I, I still love action movies. I still love the idea of it, but n- I never had any inclination where it was like, I need to arm myself, you know? And what it, it kind of, what makes me think about is the relationship between fear and what we have to do or fear and insecurity. I think that's a, you know, a kind of better way to put it in relation between that and what the measures people feel like they need to take. And I think there's the, you know, to me, what one of the most principal elements of what makes someone a conservative is about um, pragmatic solutions for the here and now. Right. It's like, I got to worry about what's going on. Right. I got to keep my family safe today. I can't think, be thinking about what's going on 20. It's it's very much like I have a gun because I need to hunt in case X, Y, Z happens. I need to make sure, right? So I think that's a very kind of principal thing. So part of me thinks I'm not really concerned about having a gun or my safety. Maybe that's just because I'm not afraid enough, like, right? Maybe I'm too pie in the sky, right? Well, I mean, you're, you're, if you're, t- if you're talking about, so, Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or were nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. When I first started buying guns happened to be when I first moved out of the suburbs. So I, I don't live in the burbs. I live in the woods now, yeah. right? I live in New Hampshire. Like I'm, my if I call the cops, it's a half an hour. Yeah. Well, no. I, that, see, that's what I'm talking about. The pragmatic, the practical yeah. relationship yeah. between when you're in the a rural area and you don't have that kind of the the community there to to kind of you know that immediate thing. Yeah. It's like, hey, if there's an issue, I need to deal with it. 
Yeah, my my neighbors my neighbors aren't hearing screaming or a scuffle next door. <laughs> you know, my my neighbors are my my nearest neighbors a kilometer away. You know, so for for me, it's partially a necessity. There's there's I mean, on my Instagram page, there's you see a picture. I got a picture of a a bobcat just chilling out in my front yard. We have coyote all over the place. Uh, there's definitely bear all over the place. It's possible for to see a moose, and I mean. These kind of things, plus the fact that I'm out in the woods, I mean, to to live out at least where I do, I imagine most of the people that I know around have some kind of firearm in their home. So I, I think that it, I think that considering 40 percent of American homes have a firearm, um, I think that the fact that people in rural areas are so remote that it, it is something that they kind of look at as a necessity more than people in a suburban area. You know, if you've got if you get a neighbor up, if you're if you're in an apartment, you got a neighbor upstairs and a neighbor downstairs, you know, and anyways, breaking and enterings ha- happen when you're not home for the most part. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think that uh, practical element of it is probably the thing that is maybe most overlooked and the, the failure of people to empathize with that. Our lifestyles are just different. Um, but what I think, you know, where I kind of run in, in into the issue is like, and maybe this is something you can kind of educate me on. Like, is there a difference between a gun enthusiast and a gun nut? Yes. And, you know, what can you elaborate on that? There's a couple different types of people that buy guns. Um, there's the collector, who's the dude that wants to get. He doesn't want to just get an AK-47 or a couple AK-47s. He wants an AK-4. He wants an Ishmash that was made in 1984. Yeah. Out like, of he's like a baseball the, card collector or something. Exactly, exactly. And and so then you've got. And can, so wait, so it, you can buy an AK-47. Yeah. Damn, that's crazy. Not a fully automatic one. Okay. I mean, you well, you can buy any machine gun. You can buy a machine gun. That's tr- there are transferable machine guns in the U.S. that you can buy. But you have to do all of the uh, federal paperwork. So there's there's a few laws that are federal laws. Uh, most of your gun laws happen to be state laws. Your federal laws are usually are about like suppressors, machine guns, and short barrel rifles and shotguns. Those, those are most of your when you're talking about firearms laws. Um, so back, you could buy a, a, a machine gun. So if you back want. back to but, the uh, the gun nut thing. <laughs> so there, so there's there's the people that look at them like that look at them like uh, either furniture or like you know, baseball cards or whatever. There's people that look at them like tools where they're like, okay, I've got, and that's, that tends to be closer to what I am. I've got a 22 for certain things. I've got a bolt action gun for other things. I've got AR 15 for other things. You know, I've got handguns for carrying. I've got a handgun for when I am wearing summertime clothes, as opposed to where I'm when, when I'm wearing wintertime clothes, there's, there's people that look at them like tools, which is kind of what I do. They have their own use. And then gun nuts are people that stockpile tons of guns. They have tons of ammo. And by tons, I mean, you know, pallets. Yeah. Or, or, you know, if you have three or 4,000 rounds sitting around your house, you're not a gun nut, right? Because you can go out, you can go out in an afternoon and blow through. 500 to a thousand rounds you and two other guys can blow through that that in sounds two, expensive it is expensive guns ain't a cheap uh hobby yeah um but 
you know, so for like when you buy 22 ammo, which is the cheapest you can, one of the, some of the cheapest you can get, you can buy a box of a thousand for like 25 bucks and that'll keep you busy all day. You hear stuff on the news. He had thousands of rounds. Well, you can have thousands of rounds in a box this big. If you're talking about 22 or five, five, six, you can have thousands of rounds in a box, you know, this big, you know, so the, it's, it's more of a scare tactic, but if you have tens of thousands of rounds, then maybe you're a gun nut. If you have a hundred thousand rounds, maybe you're a gun nut. Unless you're reloading, and then you're just probably loading and try, can't find enough people to give them away to. Yeah, um, I, you've you've mentioned. I I think it was another interview. I think it was when you were a Joster or something where you mentioned just the fact that you're a slight guy. You know yeah. that that's a factor in why you feel like, hey, I need to protect myself. Um, and like, I think you mentioned that something with regard to like women, like maybe women should carry more guns, um, because of that, just the physical, um, imbalance where they are at a disadvantage. Um, and, and listen to me, I'm six to 200 pounds. Maybe it's something, you know, maybe that's why it doesn't go, go through my head. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I think where, you know, where I kind of get an issue with it, you know, and this is even on the, the, the gun enthusiasm side is despite how much I love Tackleberry <laughs> um, is I do think we're a culture that uh, glorifies the weaponry and has it very much tied to the idea of modern masculinity. Um, and I think it's, you know, and I, I, I want to write, write about this and I haven't, you know, one day I'll kind of put it together. Like, there's an interesting correlation between being an action hero and being a Republican, right? Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Clint Eastwood, uh, Charlton Heston, uh, even The Rock was a registered Republican. Like, there's this kind of idea um, that even when you kind of fictionalize this idea that the one-man army, that I can, I can go and I can save the day. And I think because of even you look at the like the any commercial for the military, right? They make being in the military look pretty fucking sick, you know. Um, and they and this idea of of heroism and the American like that you know that real American hero that saint that that thing of hey, it's not only one thing that hey we need this in case something bad happens that, but no, if you have this, you're a badass. And I think I'm sure that there's there's a good a good portion of that. I don't think that that's gun specific, though. I think that's weapon specific. Well, I mean, I think it's more weapon generally because different cultures. You look back in history, different cultures looked at the sword the same way that cultures look at the, look at a gun. Look, our culture looks at guns today, or a gun. The symbol symbolically, a gun is is a weapon, and symbolically, before guns. There was still that symbolism of a weapon as I'm ready to defend the you t- you were talking about, you know, masculinity. And one of the things that definitely ties in with masculinity is a man defending either his people, his country, his home, his children, his wife. Those are all typical. Those are all masculine ideas. And when that's part of what your culture expects or your culture has you know, created for your gender role, whatever, if if. if I don't want to get into that conversation conversation, but if that is uh, an aspect of masculinity, then the weapon is is a symbol of the ability to defend your f- country, family, 
children, etc. You know, etc. So I don't think that I don't think that it's so much specific to guns. I think or to a gun. It's I think you're right. I think the connection's right. I think you're. I don't think you're wrong. I think that it goes beyond the gun, though. Well, I I I think the the difference (laughs) is you know when you think about swords and and. I know nothing about sword culture, so I don't want to actually speak, I. speak out of turn. But when you think about it, at least from the mythical <laughs> sense of how we've kind of absorbed a lot of this through film and television, things like that, um, you think about a sword fighter fighting another person with a sword. And what does that always emphasize is skill, right? Is You have to train to learn how to do this. But guns, and I'm sure, obviously, if you train, you're going to be much better at it. But you off, often I hear people who feel like they need a gun, they talk about, like, you know, George Zimmerman. He got his ass kicked, apparently, and he felt... Well, the, that's well, what the reason that he... The reason he shot him is because he was on... He, he did get his ass kicked. Yeah, was, but that's... But hitting that, his head in the well, that's, concrete. That's why that's, he shot him. Well, that's, of him. well, we don't know that. But what we do know is he got his ass kicked. And that someone now, to me, in the psychological sense, you know, if you're a punk... If you're fucking soft and you don't, hey, I don't want to have to learn how to fight. This is what this is PEDs. This is power. I can use this. And if someone's whooping my ass and I fucking I'm a and or whatever, or I just I walk around now, I walk around. I got a little little now I can bump into somebody. I can be a tough guy because guess what? It's unearned power. It's honor. You don't you know, like I said. If I'm within close range, I'm a few feet from you. I could shoot someone real easy, you know. So I don't, I don't need to be that trained on it. And that's to me is understanding that psychological health aspect of it, of having a relationship as a community with these instruments. Um, I think that's where I have a problem with it. Is that there? It is that's just so much power to put in someone's hands, um, and you don't know what each person's been through that they're going to take that and what's going to happen. And it's, and, and so, you know, and that can get crazy. It's like, I was thinking, I was thinking about this, like what if lightsabers start existing? (laughs) What if the guns, like who, who knows what is going to exist? What's the next thing going to be? You know, if you could have a machine like, like in, you know, in your hand that you can like literally throw someone across a football field, like who I'm just saying, like, it's just this idea of power. It is a power. Yeah. It's 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 power to to uh, to destroy and harm and intimidate and uh, and listen. I'm in I, the wrong hands, sure, but that depends on the person. Well, there's three hundred how many three hundred fifty million in America. Mm-hmm. That's more yeah. than, more than we have people. So you know, it only takes a few. So it's, so it's not necessarily to me the existence of them. But I think just the actual in culture, I think even me being someone who loves action movies and stuff, I, I sometimes question this idea of this is how we solve problems. This is how we solve problems. Um, and I and listen, some problems, of course, that's the only that's the only uh, way to to solve certain problems. No doubt. It's like it's like I said, I mean- the, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's just that. I mean, I, I agree with you uh, on, in conceptually um i mean i'm an again i don't know how much your listeners are familiar with libertarianism but you for the most part you can't be a libertarian unless you agree with uh, the nap the non-aggression principle which is it's a it's a moral statement that you never have the right 
to use violence or coercion on someone else, non-aggression principle. You yeah. never have the right to initiate aggression. And if you if that's something that you take seriously and that's something that you try to do in your life, you know, then obviously, you know, you you wouldn't have those problems. Not everyone's going to do that obviously, but the for me it's it, it's a foundational uh you know, a foundational belief and a foundational principle is is it's immoral to to wield power just because you have it. It's immoral to exercise your power to coerce someone, whether it be because you're a large man pushing around a smaller man or because you're a small man who's got a gun and pushing around a dude who's bigger than you. Yeah. If you're in a position of power and you're using it to coerce other people, that's immoral. That's wrong. And to me, right and wrong does matter. As much as some people you know, nowadays think that they're quaint ideas, right and wrong does matter. And there is a right and a wrong. And and some and people that say no that it's you can interpret it and it's not oh it's not the same for everybody blah 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 there is right and wrong and every most most everyone knows when they're doing right and when they're doing wrong and using using power over someone to coerce them whether it be a gun a baseball bat just bigger than them or whatever it's wrong yeah and let's not forget about magic all right niggas are using magic out here all right. <laughs> They are putting spells on motherfuckers, <laughs> shrinking motherfuckers' dicks. All right, uh, watch they out. That, they believe that stuff in Saudi Arabia. That's he got his head cut off for being a warlock. <laughs> Yo, warlocks out there, man. They come for you, the witches. They're all out here. Um, Crazy. So I don't want to keep you too too much longer. There's a couple other things I want to ask you about. Sure, um, sure. So we've already said you're you, you're outspoken in a way that most people in in our community aren't. Um, is from if you were to just follow your social media, one would take the uh, the one of the takeaways to say this guy cares more about politics than he does music. Is that sure. a is that a fact? No. Uh, social media is is my outlet for for not being involved in music. You know, like so when I'm doing like a record, it's like when we're writing or whatever, it's complete immersion. But almost. how come you don't, but you're not like talking about your lyrics. You're not talking about the recording process. Not saying you don't, but, but if you were to look at just the, if you were to just look at volume, right? I would say 85% of your stuff is political. Probably. Yeah. And, it, and yeah. I, I wonder just from the outside looking in that that might distract maybe at least people who follow you from maybe the music a little bit. Are you ever worried about that at all? Uh, not, I'm not really, I'm not cognizantly, I'm, 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 it's never been something that I thought, oh, you know what, maybe I should go ahead and hold off on, you know, kind of chill out on politics or chill out on this or chill out on that. I mean, I've been, I've been the same since, I mean, dude, back in the day I was on the, the metal maniacs board back in the day I was on, uh, um, I used to be on lamb goat all the time and I was doing the same stuff I am now. Arguing politics back in the day, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, it, maybe it's just—it's uh, always been a, a side of me. Well, I, I, I feel like you've gotten more um, loud about this stuff, and maybe that's just because the nature of the way social media has changed in general, right? Like it didn't exist the way it, it does now. We're in a, a much more polarized time, and and a lot of these issues are out in the forefront. Like I, I'd say this: um, in the age of Trump, politics has become pop culture. So it's it's very much on on the tip of our tongues. Um, have you ever had like a manager or a label person say, "Hey Phil, we need you to 
quiet down. We need you to apologize. Has that, has that, has that come up at all? There's been people that have said, should you say you're sorry? And I won't. About because... any, about anything? There's nothing you've well, ever if if I do if I do something if I say something that's so okay so the first time that I got into big trouble when I said the f word on on the internet right not your greatest it moment was, what not your no not, not, not my your... greatest moment no but uh, but I would apologize for lashing out at the dude right it was wrong to insult the guy. Because it was just dumb. It was about you know just about the way that he was dressed. It was totally stupid. I won't apologize for using a word that someone was offended by. I won't say I'm sorry for swearing because that's all it is. It's a vulgarity. So I won't apologize if and and offenses is is specific to the person. And seeing as there hasn't been a person that's come up and said. I was offended because I took that to heart and I thought you were talking about me because it, it, it obviously wasn't talking about anyone except for the sp- specific person that I was referring to. I won't apologize to society because society doesn't accept apologies. So I'll, I, I, I will say that I was wrong to do something. But I, when it comes to people that want to tell you you have to apologize for this because you did you offended people or you did this i won't say sorry for that stuff well, I, won't, I, I, la- I won't let someone bully me into an apology that i don't really mean yeah it doesn't if you don't mean it then what does it really matter i mean i think um if i've been in that scenario where i had you know um a gay friend call me out for using the word gay you know in a in a in a pejorative sense and uh and it completely changed my mind on that, on on using that in that in that way. Um, so I think it's you know it is about the 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 person. I don't get wrapped up in, into the words, but just to put it out there and just to reiterate, you you are willing to apologize for for it. So you're not against all apologies, just that particular. Yeah, thing. yeah. I'm, I I won't apologize to Pete the the mob. Yeah. I won't apologize to the to the mob on Twitter that says you did this wrong and you offended this. I'm not going to get out there and say, oh, I'm sorry that, that I did something you don't like, because that is never good enough. Yeah. They don't want sorry. So that it's like if you say I'm sorry and I apologize, they're not going to forget it. They're not going to let it go. They're going to bring it up later anyways. So don't apologize to them. Yeah. Don't let them win. Don't 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 give them the power. Would um. If you ever felt that some of the political stuff was affecting the band in a negative way or possibly hurting your guys' bottom line, would that ever give you a reason to tone it down or or be a little less outspoken? Well, I mean, I think that it probably already has. I mean, there is is definitely – there are definitely people out there that don't want to – touch all that remains because of, because of, uh, you know, because of my politics. And you're okay with so, that trade off is the rest of your band. Okay with that. I would, I don't, I can't do anything about it again. Yeah, you because can. If I, you're you. No, 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 no. Yes, because, you can. Because if, Only because if control I control you is you. No. Okay. What, what I'm saying is I, I can control me. Yes, I can control me. I can control my own behavior. I mean, I used to be an alcoholic, or when I used to drink too much, and and I quit drinking. So, I mean, obviously, I can control myself. Like, you don't get abs like this without control, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you know, you don't get to, you don't make it to the gym as much as I did this past year if you can't control yourself. Um, but what I, what I'm saying is, I don't think that the people that that have a problem with me, it's not going away. 
You know, it's not like not like I'm going to go ahead and be like, I'm going to say something and it's going to and people are going to be like, oh, well, OK, that's cool now. It's it's because they know because it's not about one thing that I said or did. Yeah. It's the fact that I have the overall wrong opinions. So if I say I'm sorry for saying, you know, for taking a position on policy X, they're going to hit me for policy Y. Yeah. Well, let me I'll give you an example. I feel like someone like Janine Garofalo, who I thought was a really funny comedian and actress, her politics eventually uh, eclipsed her performing as mm -hmm. what he was known for. I think someone sure. like Amy Schumer, I think her politics have kind of out, uh, kind of changed the narrative of how that person is perceived, where it's hard to think about the person in the same way. This is one reason why I try and dip a toe, but I, I, I actually go out of my way to say, all right, I got to make sure I talk at least this much about music. I got to talk talk about some movies, talk about whatever. Just sure. I don't I don't want to be just that person because um because I'm not just that person. I'm 10 different things and pol and me being interested in politics is like one of those things. Um but do you ever worry like that maybe like cuz I feel like sports and politics are distractions from our regular lives. A lot of times. And so we get we focus on what's going on in Washington. So I don't have to worry about the fact that I have this other issue. Like it's a way of kind of not be, being disconnected from I can't solve my problems, So I'll solve the world's problems. Do you ever sure. feel like you it's you're getting too wrapped up in stuff and get too obsessed? Because I feel like I'm so that happens to me sometimes. After the election, I felt like I personally unplugged a little bit. But I mean, I had a lot of stuff going on in my personal life as well. Um so I kind I mean, I know that it probably didn't seem like I unplugged so much to people from the outside. Um, but I really did, you know, kind of take a break from from really holding on to, uh, you know, holding on to the thread of the stories that were going on. I haven't been I haven't been following uh, a lot of the. A lot of the, the stuff going on with Trump and the the Russia probe. Partially because I don't really care if Trump gets if if Trump did something wrong, I'm not going to defend him. Like I have no interest in being like in coming up with this. I have no interest in learning the spin for whatever Trump did recently. Yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not interested in trying to explain why the guys, you know, why he did whatever because it's not my job to to vote for him, or I mean to to. To, to defend the guy. I'm not a pundit. I'm not on his payroll. And if I, if he does something stupid, I'm going to say, I think it's stupid, which, you know, I probably, I think I just criticized him the other day on something or yesterday that he did Oh, the bump stock thing when he's going to do an executive order. So you're criticized and I'm finally giving him some credit. <laughs> I see, see, the thing is I had to criticize, I had to criticize him for it because I criticized Obama about executive orders too. And I'm, and I try really hard to be consistent. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to be a guy that, that, that just knee jerk. So I had to be, I had to at least say, look, I don't like executive orders at all. Yeah. I'm with we have I'm, Congress. I, I agree with you on you that, know? that point. I think <clears> so that's, I, I, think I had, Hopefully we can, whoever is in there next, because he's definitely not going to change anything on that, but who's ever in there next, hopefully um, we can all get to that point and try and strip some power from the executive yeah. branch. I'll, I'll end up, I'll end up getting into a rant about this kind of stuff real quick, but the, the Congress has, ever since Congress decided to give the power to, to George Bush to decide to go to war with the, the authorization 
to go to when they were like, well, you know what, we're not going to go ahead and actually declare war or anything. We're just going to say, you know what, President Bush, if you feel like it, you can go ahead. That was such uh, that was super unconstitutional. There's nowhere in the Constitution that 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 says that Congress has the authority to give the president a new power. Like the powers of the president are written in the Constitution. That, that isn't in the Constitution at all. Yeah. It's Congress's job. And ever since then, they've been every every Congress since has been like, well, let's just let the president do it or let's let the president do it because then they don't have to vote on anything hard and, and then, then you don't have, they don't have to worry about their yeah, constituents. Exactly. It exactly. sucks. It definitely it sucks, sucks definitely, so bad. Definitely sucks. Um, one last thing. You were on Infowars with Milo Yiannopoulos. And I've... I was! It's... It was it's, at first, I was like, is he trolling? Is this like a joke? It, there's it was, a little bit of... There's a little bit of trolling in it, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it has is, to be, because everyone know. I mean, dude, the frogs are gay. I mean... He's turning the frogs well, gay. That's the funny thing. I mean, I've, yes. I've written both about Milo and uh, Alex Jones and Infowars specifically... I think um, I think Infowars is a terrible organization that has done demonstrable <laughs> harm to our to actually the world. Actually, I'll say that. And I think <laughs> I don't. And I think Milo's I think, a, and I think Milo's a bad guy. I mean, so. Well, um, I mean, I know I I I know Milo. Like we've hung out. That's and fine. He's, he's not a bad guy. He literally he's not a bad told, guy. he literally told you that people to disagree with you. That you should bully, he said. Bully, what he said. Uh, uh, That's his shtick, dude. That's his well, shtick. Can, but here's the thing: is it is the problem with that shtick is it's serious when I want it to be serious, and when I want to have distance from it, I say it's a joke. And that's that's the problem is is it's his, the yeah the trolliness of it. I I, well, I, no, I understand that. I think he's his philosophy is not too dissimilar from the Joker from from the dark night he just wants to see chaos and as long as he gets a big check at the end of it and gets a lot of attention it, it doesn't matter it doesn't there, there's but anyway this is actually i don't want to kind of get into the to the debate about milo and and, and infowars but what, what i will say is um is it um the what i worry about when you go on a a, a format like that is that their reputation is so bad especially now there's been so much kind of put on there do you feel like that are you worried that's going to kind of hurt your brand a little bit by kind of going on something that's that disreputable? Uh, no, because I think that um, I don't I I don't hold people that are in bands and in music to really high standards. <laughs> really? Yeah. Not well, me? you know, I mean, because just because people listen to us, they does, just because people us. listen to us doesn't mean that we always know what we're talking about. And I mean, the well, thing is, not. from my perspective, from my perspective is I'm an entertainer, right? That's what I do. I, I do believe the things that I say and I don't say things that I don't believe, but I'm still an entertainer. And you Info consider Wars, this entertainment? Well, I it, I have to say, Info I, I watched Wars is it. entertainment. It was. Info enter well, you it was. Listen, I'll say this. He Milo is entertaining. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say he's not. He's definitely good at that. They should give him a talk show and just never let him talk about politics. <laughs> <laughs> but that. For, so the reason that I went on the reason I went on Infowars it is because one, I do think that if I can get anyone to listen to what I was saying in the video, I think that it is a benefit to the conversation about 
guns and gun control, if only because they're hearing someone speak in reasoned and measured tones about the difficulties of passing laws. I think there's value in that alone. So going on Infowars and getting people to hear that, whichever side they're on, that to me was a win. The fact that it's Infowars, I'm kind of like, that's kind of fun. That's funny. You know, they sell the the supplements and you got to do it just for the story, right? You got to do it for the story. Um, (laughs) But I I would say, you know, even though it was entertaining and I and I I think it's just there's nothing more hilarious to see Milo talking about metal sucks. (laughs) It's like, what what world is this? What is going on? Right. So that in of itself was, was was hilarious. But I would say. From a persuasion standpoint, one of the downsides I would say from that conversation is it's and, and what makes this conversation way vastly more important than that one to me is that there is there's an assumption that, hey, we're on the same team. Let's sit here and, and agree with each other. And that's basically was like sure. and I and I feel like the truth is that the people you want to get aren't going to watch it because it's Infowars or they think fucking Phil wants to kill the children. And those, the people that are following that are already kind of pro-gun fundamentalists. And Mm -hmm. the reason why I wanted to talk to you and why I like talking to you and why I like having conversations on Twitter where we don't agree is that to me, the number one problem in politics now is um, polarization and partisanship. It's the number one problem. And it's the one thing when I get annoyed at you online, it's not because I think you say something I disagree with. It's when anything is promoted that pulls people apart. And that's the thing I'm most upset about what Metal Sucks did and the way they did that is by saying that they didn't convince one pro-gun person no, they, to maybe they got, consider to consider another they got ratioed. way. Yeah, they got and, ratioed pretty hard in Twitter and their, their comment sections and stuff. They got fucking lambasted. Yeah, well... I don't even have to look at that. I don't care about comment sections. Um, but what I do care about is the idea that people that disagree with each other have to flame each other and call each mm-hmm. other names and talk about things that ha- don't have anything to do with the issues and not give each other. Like I said, we, we, we live in a, an environment where we're completely uncharitable to the people we disagree with. We assume they're coming from the worst position. They have the worst intentions and it doesn't help. And that's why I wanted to have you on because I know I'm not going to make you change your mind about everything. You're not going to make me change my mind about anything, but we can have a civil conversation and learn a little bit about where we're coming from. And that's what's important to me. Yep, absolutely. So, So, man, thank you so much for coming on. This was fantastic. Thank you very much, man. Anytime. Not a path.
So you know what he means when he says, hold on, right? He's talking about them, talking about that gat. See, they should have had a sample right at the beginning of the song. It's like, from my cold, dead hand. And then right into that rift out of it. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, it's, it's too easy. You know, it's 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 too easy. But, yo, yo some gun rights motherfuckers should definitely use the Charlton Heston uh, quote and, and put that sample in the song. From my cold, dead hand. And then go into a breakdown. That would be hard. All the gun people be buying that record. But... See, did you guys enjoy that conversation? I knew you would. If you came here for that, I hope people don't think it's going to be a regular talk, but I'm going to put that, you know, it'll say it in the in the front so you know what the, what we're talking about. But that was great. Uh, really, thank you to Phil for coming on to the show. Uh, and I hope to do more stuff like that in the future. Definitely, definitely. And one thing that's kind of crazy, I, these Phil and Paulo from Trivium, these dudes got in a Twitter beef on on one of my posts. And I'm like, I feel guilty. I'm like, I'm like, I'm starting shit. I don't know what's going on with these guys. Hey guys, make peace. All right. Well, let you know, Doc Coyle is friends with everybody. You know what I'm saying? I believe human and fish can coexist peacefully, to quote my main man, George W. Bush. But seriously, what's up with all these musicians, metal musicians going at each other? Dude from uh what's that what's that band? Um God damn, I forget the name of the band. Attila, that's who it is. The dude from Attila was hating on Frankie from a mirror. These motherfuckers are going at each other, calling each other monkey faces and cockheads. And I'm like, yo, man, maybe it's all just bullshit. Like everyone's just having something to talk about. Or maybe maybe everyone's like inspired by Trump because Trump, you know, is basically his Twitter is just a fucking walking diss track. So that's what that's just like what life is now. It's like, yo, what's up, son? You got a booger in your nose. Get out of my face, you know. That wasn't a very good diss. So I got to work on that. I'm too, I guess I'm too nice, you know, but it's just who I am. Want to let you guys know that you should definitely reach out to me if you want to sponsor this show. I've been actually, I went from not having that many people reach out to sponsor this show as far as bands to a lot of bands. So people are reaching out to me almost every day. So eventually I'm going to have to raise the prices. You know, if it, if it gets, if it keeps staying this, this busy. So if you want to get your song played on the X-Men, talk about your band, talk about your social media, talk about shows, tours you have coming up, this is the place. And also if you're trying to get, get off some products, you know what I'm saying? Like now I talked to Phil, now I'm just straight, I'm ready to just start selling, moving some guns out here, some nunchucks, some motherfucking throwing stars. If you want to sell that, I'll, I'll do that too. I have, I have no scruples, you know, no, no ethics at all. You know what I'm saying? I don't care how many bodies my ninja stars have on them. I'm just kidding. That's probably, probably not going to work with, with, with my brand. I'm, I'm, I'm too soft. You know what I'm saying? I ain't, I'm not, I'm not messing anybody up. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk my way out of it and crack some jokes, you know, pick my nose or something. Anyway, please keep telling your friends about the show, the X-Men, you know, this, we, no one does it like, like, like I do it over here. All right. You, you know what I'm talking about? You know, I'm, I'm feeling this shit. Anyway, I'm having a great time. Thank you guys for listening. Mamba out. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.
What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.